0: and i seen her from afar it was dark down his bill then he stepped up to the bar how you doing she said nothing i just asked you how you are she looked at me like a fool then this girl got attitude don't gone stop don't gone stop don't stop don't get it don't stop don't stop don't stop don't get it don't stop don't stop don't stop don't get it don't stop don't stop don't get it Bad and she know it. No if that switch bad and she going Plus her no. switch bad and she gone. I Go need on. that quick, fast, and a hurry. Uh-huh. My eyes a little too blurry, but I'm still focused uh-huh. on hurting. Uh-huh. These other uh-huh. lack courage, uh-huh. but I'm on it, baby. I'm going in. But not the only one going uh-huh. in. Cause all in her face, like what's your Facebook? What's your Twitter? Damn, girl, what it tastes like, but not me. I keep it uh-huh. G. she bad and she know it. Yeah. She look back at me like I don't need no reassurance. Cause, Cause she bad. bad.
1: Welcome to another episode of What's Up with DJ. I'm your host, DJ. Each week, I bring you topics about current events, career development, finance, holistic living, life hacks, and stories of inspiration and humor, all from a spiritual perspective. So be sure to subscribe, follow, like, comment, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your thoughts, opinions, and comments are always encouraged and appreciated. Now, with that being said, let's get right into the show. I have back this week Jackie F. Fuller, a communications professional and freelance writer for the Washington Informer newspaper covering religious news in the African-American community. Jackie also is an alumni or alumnus. Of Marymount University or yep, Marymount University, with a degree in communications. In 2016, she was acknowledged by the Interfaith Conference of Metropolitan Washington as a emerging leader for her work in religious communications. She's worked for various nonprofit organizations in Washington, D.C. And a member of numerous professional and community organizations to include Zeta Phi Beta Sorority, Incorporated, National Association of Black Journalists, Society of Professional Journalists, and Religion Communicators Council. And served as their national president from 2019 through 2021. Thank you, Jackie, for joining the show.
2: Sure. Thank you. Thank you. But well, I just want to give a quick disclaimer. This is my, anything i share, it's on me, my own opinions, not affiliation with
1: <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's, it's strictly her opinion, hers only. <laughs> <laughs> She's not a representative for anybody, but just Jackie. That's you know?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> same for me. Same for me. <laughs> so when I, we had a discussion and we always have great uh, discussions and uh, we probably could have four or five topics on this show just this evening but we're going to stick to two two topics and one of the things that we were talking about um last week was um was I mean one topic that I I wanted to talk about but we decided that we would do this topic cuz it was much more energy in that topic it's like you know we were going back and forth about it and you were talking about your experiences in terms of the job market. And do you want to go on a little into that, what you were saying?
2: Um, sure. I, I guess I could do it collectively, um, obviously, with, you know, job searches there at highs and lows and then particularly coming from a generation being a Gen Xer where I remember the times when we had to fill out paper applications. We had to fax, we had to mail, re- you know, fax out applications, mail applications, mm-hmm. do those kind of walk-in. Things.
1: You know what I remember? I remember when you had to go out and buy a certain kind of paper and mm-hmm. the paper had a watermark and was, it was, you know, it was a really oh. big deal with the watermark on your, Res, resume paper
0: <laughs>
2: oh I, I didn't know about the watermark but i was i I was familiar with the different type of resume papers and mm-hmm. the colors that they come in and it had like a more professional feel and some people said that was actually good to use too because of the weight it kind of makes your resume stand out yeah from everyone else's resumes yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so the old school way of how we used to sort of you know um get our resumes out there is definitely not the way that you would. So I'm not saying that I wouldn't discount it. I would, I still see value in actually mailing someone a, a resume. Um, it definitely makes you stand out if someone is. But it's so hard to get someone's, you know, to get people's address any longer because, you know, so many things that are is I wouldn't say it's like I'd say terrorist attacks and I, but not for 9-11 it's just very difficult to get people's um, information inside their their company and so it's kind of hard to to send them a um a, a hard uh, actually a what do you actually even call that a hard copy <laughs> actually difficult to do that but i could but if you do have that i would definitely you know and if you are want to meet the time constraints because sometimes by the time your real resume gets there and get into their hands in position has I already been someone's already found they already found someone or you know so it's 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 a it's a uh i would still you know do it the way that we should be doing it now which is you know online and email but you know if you want to be really technical and really fancy and really stand out then yeah mail it in yep
2: um. Yeah, that's that's definitely um, something to consider. I actually did that with one organization I wanted to work for. They did respond back, but I think at the time, like you, um, organization. I guess the position had already been filled, and that's some, another thing. At times, they forget to do. It's like, yeah, you need to take this position down because you already had the person in there for thirty days <laughs> to do the job. Right. So you got to keep those like kind of those things up to date as well.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I think one of the things we were talking about when, was just you know when you are applying for jobs and they are reaching out to you. So you know you apply to a job, they are reaching out to you, and through the conversation, uh, you really realize that they really haven't read your resume, um, and you also realize that. Um, You know, one of the things that you was talking about was, well, how dare you? It was sort of the kind of attitude that you had, and the reason why you felt it wasn't wasn't like how dare you. Maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating, but it was sort of kind of like, it was sort of like, you know, you you have my resume. You know that I know my qualifications. You see my education level. You see how many oh, years I have. I got and- you.
2: Wait, where are you coming from with that? That was dealing with recruiters online. So what will happen sometimes is that, like, my background is pretty much like director and up, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're sitting me in a position where it's like, administrative assistant or um like a coordinator and i'm just like you're in you, particularly because those type of positions have you know like a lesser amount of years of experience versus someone who's been working for what over 20 years mm-hmm. so i was like did you really read my resume when you reached out to me about an admin assistant position or you're right. just blasting resumes because you got to meet a certain quota of how many mm-hmm. resumes are coming in for these positions. Oh, there's so, a
1: keyword there on your resume that they just sort of, I guess, came... Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I would, I would just thought about that. Yeah, it could also have been the keyword thing. But that was saying, you have to still kind of scan it to some degree and realize this individual has been working for... Mm-hmm for a while, you know, and that person mm-hmm. beyond an administrative assistant stage. And usually I just send those, like I just forward those jobs to other people that, in my mm-hmm. networks who are in that, you know, in that, in that, who are even looking for that type of work or have the years of experience that they're right. seeking.
1: Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. the same way if, I, you know, being a career coach, if someone sends me jobs that have like nothing to do with what I'm, what I'm interested in or doesn't sort of fit, of course, I keep the the job announcement, and I if I see I know anybody that is interested in or would fit sort of their wheelhouse, I forward it mm-hmm. to them. And also, it's good to have that recruiter's name just sort of in my you know um, saved emails, so mm-hmm. I can just see ask them, hey, you know, do you have any open positions? that are sort of, you know, within this wheelhouse for this particular person who's looking for a job. So yeah. I never, you know, deleted or I rarely deleted. This is like totally like, you know, I, and I do sometimes get emails from uh, dealership, car dealerships, auto dealerships, awesome. ask about yeah, I do. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and so, um, so those are, I do delete, but, um, you know, hey, we all need to you know there are some good job, uh, at the dealership, but uh-huh. you know, I, I don't really think that's where I want to send people. Right. But, uh, but yeah, you, you get those, um, emails from recruiters and you feel that you can definitely sense that they have not read your resume or have not read it thoroughly.
2: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I used to get those kind of those car dealership gigs years ago. And I think that's when they said mine um, my resume on some of the kind of major um, job search board websites, like mm-hmm. a monster.com. Yeah, I don't get those anymore. Um, because I think now with my search being very tailored, mm-hmm. I um I've been getting other types of um positions. So but yeah, so happen- even with when that happens, I would write them back and I'll write them back and say, hey, thank you for reaching out. At this time, I am seeking mm-hmm. for a senior level position, making XYZ oh, salary range. So Good. if you have those um, positions in mind, please feel free to contact me. So it's not even though I'm saying I'm based on the based on that position, which is like I'm totally overqualified for. I at least let them know if you have positions like that, that do come in mm-hmm. to, um you know, to contact me
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: see if um
0: well, possibly well, a job
2: is something I can do.
1: You said that you've now tailored your job search so that you're getting um more specific jobs that are in alignment with what you're looking for. How did you do that?
2: Um, It just pretty much read a lot of it was particularly in the summary that I have at the top and the skills. So as far as my you know work history, most of those positions either show that I've done stuff in digital communications, I've done stuff in journalism. Well, I've done things in television video production, so I have it like more crafted to that. Where it's you can get to feel that this person pretty much spent her majority of her career in communications.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so you, so what you've done is you have a now with what, what I call a a targeted resume,
2: right? So mm-hmm. pretty much what I just do at the top, I may just switch some of the um, messaging or the words, like if I'm looking for a communications director position, I'll mention, like, I have this, you know, experience as a communications director or a digital director. If it's something related to journalism, I emphasize and change the wording around to tailor like my journalism skills.
1: So you actually have uh, maybe two or three separate resumes that are tailored to the specific job that you're looking for. Correct. Yeah, that's what I, I tell uh, clients all the time. You know, you, it may be tedious, but you do need to to tailor your resume down to the job, the specific job that you're looking for. And it right. may be other things that you're looking for to do as well. And you yeah. need to tailor it to those as well. So you may have two, three, four, or five different resumes that you are sending to different jobs. And, and job boards are you know, job boards, they allow you to to upload um, different resumes so that you can apply to different kinds of jobs that may pertain to your wheelhouse, but you're sort of being very specific to the kind of position that you're interested in or positions that you're interested Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. It just makes it easier that way too. So then I can just say, hey, uh, this is for a digital director position. So I'll send my resume up to that you know to those types of positions so i said hey they're looking for a multimedia journalist so mm-hmm. i'll just send multimedia
1: so, that's, journalists right that's what you're you know we we're going to advertise from here a little bit <laughs> so anyone who's <laughs> listen to the show you say because i say put it out there you know uh-huh, and uh-huh. um your experience so that way if people are interested they know who to call
0: yeah. you know
1: but we'll definitely have Jackie's information down in the description, the show description, and you can reach out to her and get more information about uh, her experience. And if you just want to have a conversation with her and have her on your show or, <laughs> or, or, and she actually has a podcast and she has a, her own show and she may have you on her show. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. It's uh well, it's, not officially yet a podcast but it seems like i guess that's the direction i need to go because it's emerging a lot of my show with interfaith connections that's the name of the show to youtube but there seems Mm -hmm. to be like this massive energy around the show becoming that show becoming a podcast because a lot of people keep asking me oh is it a podcast too is it a podcast too Mm -hmm. and i just still haven't figured out what that podcast structure is going to look like unless it's kind of a mix like if i just have the the tv part also be at the podcast part i haven't figured out Mm. that part yet or if it's going to be Mm. something different but yes i'm definitely tapping into that world as well which is like the, the fun thing about youtube and learning how to I'm learning how to build up um, the channel because it was just something it, I had put on the back burner for so long. Which that happens when you're doing a lot of different things, you tend mm. to put your projects on the side. So now here, it's, here comes the fall, and I'm like, okay, it's time to get like the YouTube channel up and jumping now. So
1: yeah, yeah, because I I definitely see it. Um, you know, if I have seen, I actually have uh, liked you or followed you on. Um, where I have my podcast, um, you know, whatever they call it, the platform or the, pers- the the company that sort of houses your podcast, and we're both up there. And like, let me let me like Jackie, you know, let me like her, po- her podcast. And I, I, I wanted to pay like, nothing's up here. <laughs> what are the episodes at Jackie? So I'm glad to hear that you you definitely um, are considering moving into that direction, and um, because I think there's a lot of value that you can definitely mm-hmm. add. To that. Yeah. One of the things that you we talked about was, you know, and sometimes I I don't advise people to put their salary, salary requirements on their resume. But then again, oh. I do sometimes tell people oh, yeah. to put their salary requirements on. It, it's really depends on the persons, the background, the job that you're, you're looking for. It is different. It, you really have to know the reasons why you're putting your salary requirements on your resume. Right. So what are your feelings towards that?
2: Well, I've never done the salary on my resume, but I do provide, which I'm starting to do that again now. I'm providing a salary range on my cover letters because mm. of one of the common things that happened during the job search process, um, looking at a job announcement. And they don't have the salary list at all. They just said, your salary is going to be based on your experience. Well, I'm like, well, what does that mean?
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's like based on my experience. Well, are you going to be able to handle someone with the level of experience I have in regards to salary? And yes, somebody can have one, you know, wonderful years of experience doing various things in their career, but um, I think it's always, I feel like it's also, to me, it's an etiquette thing and just being upfront and knowing that you have a certain budget, you know, have a certain budget or range that you can work with in regards to hiring somebody for that position. And if the person is going to be overqualified, as much as you may like that person, as much as you may want to hire, bring that person on board, you know, there's going to be... Um, some issues there with salary because people, you know, people have bills. I always say people have bills to pay. Right. And then in addition, um, that's thought just left me. I'm trying to get it back, but um it has regards to the salary. What was it? Um, because oh yeah, when you're because you're yeah, because a lot of it is um based on also maybe what's the benefits that's offered. So right, if right. you could factor in maybe what's happening with on the benefit side, what do they have to offer there in addition to the salary? it can probably work out that way in a negotiation
1: process but yeah the negotiation always, process but the thing uh, th- we were discussing one of the things that we had said was you know maybe they can't meet your salary salary requirements but maybe um during the negotiation process and and sometimes you know we before you even get to the negotiation process a discussion about is this part time? Is the you, you know is this job full time? Right. Is this I'm right. coming in as an independent contractor, meaning that I mm-hmm. will not um I'm I'm going to pay for my own benefits mm-hmm. because <laughs> all those things are are options that maybe the employer may be interested in discussing. Maybe they will say we well, we need someone who's part time, and that allows me to look for another position that may pay more. Right. Um, but I still have this other part-time job that's still paying me, you know, not maybe it's all that I would want, but it's still giving me the experience and, you know, it was paying the bills. And and so I still, when, I, when you're discussing salary requirements, you have to think about the entire scenario, you know, mm-hmm. not just, you know, it's not paying me the right amount of money. I don't want to take it. It's, you know, that's what kind of... <laughs> <laughs> not, I mean, you're it not but paying I mean, you me.
2: Gotta, you got to have some really good benefits to kind of balance that. And that right. also is going to depend on the industry that you're in. Um, right. I can see that probably more so corporate. I don't know, maybe from what I've experienced in nonprofit, that's usually, it's very rare that happens. Mm. And if so, you better hope there's other things like the organization has a strong and good you know, brand reputation for that. Mm. And then what are the possibilities for that person
1: to um, move up. Right. You You gotta have a strategy in in mind about Uh why you're accepting a job. Uh You know, I have accepted um, jobs in the past where I was paid less than I would have preferred, but I had to be like, look, (laughs) you know, I I was at a place where um, there was a gap in employment where um, you know things were you know just going through a, the country's going through a recession you know and all those things so i really had to stop and say well what is my strategy and my strategy was i'm going to accept this job this not paying me you know exactly the amount that i would like But I had to go back and reevaluate a lot of things. You know, the car that I was driving, you know, I had to change that. I had to change um, some of the things that I enjoy, like dry cleaning. (laughs) I had to, you know, that wasn't no longer something that I could afford with that salary. Um, I usually wear nice um, starched dress shirts that changed to um, uh, wrinkle-free golf shirts <laughs> so i really had to you know make adjustments so that that salary wouldn't be an impediment to um to you know pay my bills on time and also having you know and also um being able to put money into my savings account
2: Right, right. Yeah. I've I've lived that life. I've I've done a whole, I think a good chunk of my career in the nonprofit sector was a whole bunch of pay cuts from what I usually or could have been making, particularly with someone with my digital background. And then like it said, probably as of 2019, 2020, I was like, yeah, I can do pay cuts anymore because I wasn't able to meet my financial goals and then sometimes if you're in work environments that tend to be toxic it's like, yeah this is...
1: Oh no, I, I would never accept a pay cut for a toxic <laughs> environment. I mean, you can't even... Well, you
2: won't find out till you get in, you know, you don't find out, you get yeah, out till you get in there. Until so you get kind of, in there, right. But when you do those reflection moments or you're thinking about changing careers which that's really happening right now due to the pandemic or the COVID situation it's, it's allowing people to, i rethink their careers. I'll give you an example. I have a, a friend of mine, um, former colleague um, at a former employer. That's one of the conversations we had recently where she realized she plateaued, like she reached probably her point and it's like, do I want to continue to be in the same position? I've been in this organization a long time, or is it time for me to move on to a new organization or better yet, change careers and have a you know a new profession to consider. Mm -hmm. So she's going through that whole process now. And I was telling her about the book, What Color Is Your Parachute? That would be a good start because I said it's okay. really hard. You know, people say, Well, can you help me figure this out? And I'm like, Well, if you don't know, then I can't help you because you don't know, right? Right, so right. Like, like, you need to start with you need that. To call book a first. career
1: coach.
0: <laughs> yeah, I,
2: well, yeah. I, I told her those are, you know, those are also options like a career coach, you know, a career planner, that kind of yeah. thing. But then the first thing that came to my mind, I was like, was, Yeah, you probably need something like at least.
1: And that a book, book is like called. That
2: for that it's called, um, what do you I mean? have an old version of it. it. I'm sure 2021 is out right now. Mine's is 2016. It's um, What Color Is Your Parachute? It's been around for a long time. Okay. I mean, generations upon generations probably have used this have to book look to them. get jobs. Probably, some, I want to say maybe since the 70s. Um, wow. It's been around for a long time. I like the over. When did the book originally come out? Yeah, the first edition came out in 1970. Yeah, according to what I'm looking at from the copyright mm-hmm, mm-hmm. leading up to at wow. the time
1: 2016. So the has been around
2: a long time. Book book. So I yeah, didn't uh, find out about it until like that time. That it's time.
1: 2016. So mm-hmm. so um what are the things that was a shift to a, to the to the situation of networking? Because um I think that networking is 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 key to you know getting Positions are hearing about positions that you may not have heard about if you were just, you know, applying to job boards or recruiters um, giving you uh, emails to jobs that <laughs> you're overqualified for, um, or they don't meet your salary requirements. So, what networking do you do that uh, sort of, maybe directly or indirectly? gives you access to maybe, you know, information that you, totally, you typically wouldn't get in a normal situation outside of networking?
2: Uh, outside of that Well, pretty much my source of information in regards to looking for jobs is joining professional organizations. That seems to be the big one I do. Um, occasionally I get, you know, things come in from professionals I know in the industry those or like friends and colleagues, they'll send mm-hmm. job announcements to me. But most of it, I had to really like do my research and say, okay, how can I find jobs in the industry that I want to be in? And Mm. particularly on the journalism side, you really got to be involved in the journalism groups or the professional organizations, because that's where a lot of those, um, those announcements will come out. Whereas more and more likely, they'll reach out to you as well, because you're in an environment based on this organization and, the target interest of professionals in that industry. So for example, the National Association of Black Journalists, um, there's a DC chapter here. They will do um, events where you you get to meet with the recruiters at some of the um, national media companies like like CBS. I I did the um, tour with CBS and then they also had one recently where you would meet with the recruiter and they did did something similar to that with um, the Washington Post, those two stand out, but it was always a matter of just being in those organizations, they have these events and then you can like, you have the opportunity sometimes to do the one-on-one, like with kind of ask questions, not necessarily one-on-one, but you're in that group and you get to ask questions about how to get in the industry because I'm one recommendation when I was at CBS, they were saying to me that I should look at because of my nonprofit background, look at getting in as um, like community relations, that kind of thing. If the,
0: mm-hmm.
2: if the station or um, any or any network has like those departments, and then look there for those type of jobs, mm-hmm. and then you can mm-hmm. transition and, and do the writing and the journalism stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's always a matter of getting your foot in the door. Like what various avenues can you do to get in that industry? So mm-hmm. I looked at like an organization like that, and then there's some in the area that are strictly networking groups. And you just get on their mailing list. And then there's other people. It's interesting that because we have so much now with technology and people using things like Patreon, things like that. People who are in the industry, they are creating their kind of like their own membership like groups. You join a like an email list mm-hmm. and you may pay like or in some cases they're free. And you just get on these individuals' mailing lists and they just dedicate time throughout the week and say, hey, here are the latest jobs in such and such industry. And again, they know about these networks or these mailings, these e-lists, and they reach out to the people who run those lists. So Mm -hmm. they know, think about it, you're probably applying to a job that's posted on the job board and there's thousands of resumes coming in. If they're sending that job to probably those networks, they will probably more than likely pull like from those networks, those special listings, because it's strictly targeted. And then they don't got to go through the stack because they could say the people in this list are definitely, you know, will be interested in our work. And then they already have like a reputation going through these um, different groups to look for people so mm-hmm. it's, it's really interesting that's why when you read a book like what color Is Your parish to and this mm-hmm. has been said in articles anyway most people get their job through their networks i can definitely mm-hmm. say i've got a good number of my jobs just through knowing people mm-hmm. so sometimes when i would have a you know those resume writers will contact me and they'll talk about the applicant tracking system and i'm just like uh to be honest with you i get most of my jobs through um <laughs> through networking. to networking. It's like, to
1: People that yeah. I know are organizations that I'm familiar with and that know me. I know them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely think that to me, I talked to a to uh a guy and he was saying that he didn't want to um have to go after work to, you know, I'm not saying I'm gonna go out, you know. Well, you know, I did say that I don't like going out after hours for happy hour you know Mm -hmm. i i keep that to a limit and i say i might have a one drink you know whatever you know that has alcohol in it but i limit that to a to a certain degree with co-workers i just you know to me i want to keep it very professional Mm -hmm. but uh but you know so i'm willing to know to go to happy hour or some event after hours, after work hours, to socialize, to the camaraderie, all those things. But there are people that I listen to who say, I don't want to do any of that. After I clock out, I'm done. I'm going home. And I'm like, that's not really, you know, you do have to network even within the job that you have. You know, it's not just like I network to get a job. You have to also network to keep a job and also to get ahead to be promoted. You know, so those are sort of things that you have to keep in mind as well. How do you feel about that?
2: Well, all those things.
1: Yeah. 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 Are Are you the kind of person who decides that after I clock out, after my work day is over, I'm going home, forget sitting down with sally and and johnny and discussing you know uh work things or non-work things i'm just going home
2: (laughs) well for me i guess it just depends on the day um with my kind of my schedule i have other things going on in the evening so i have to and friday would really be that typical day i would like hang out or have you know that'd be my fun
1: but it, day but it, is, it, but it is an option for you though it's something that it's you option. are willing to do okay so that yeah. that's that's fully really, you know if, if, if your schedule it doesn't record you know doesn't sort of jive with that 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 yeah. day then yeah but um but i but for me it is an option that is definitely something that i don't mind definitely doing if it's um and i would advise anybody as a career coach you know when they have functions that are at the hours Go, go and
2: yeah.
1: um, and talk and get to know people outside of their work clothes yeah. or their work environment. And even if you can have a, a five minute conversation with people who you may not get a chance to have a five minute conversation with in the hallway at work because they're off to another meeting or especially as someone who make hiring decisions or make decisions on terms of who gets raises and who gets promoted you definitely want to be having conversations with those people i'm not saying that it has to be a 30-minute conversation but at least a five-minute conversation to explain who i am and this is what i do at the company that i work at
2: yeah i think that's where those lunch meetings come into because i would think if you're Particularly if you have a family, you probably won't be able to do those evening things. But if you could do something during your lunch break, that probably will come into play. Because I see a lot of that is just going really be based on one schedule and their priorities. So mm-hmm. yeah, I thought about it just so for people, because that was the thing with my friend. It's like she's trying to figure all that out and she has two kids at home and you know, yeah, trying to get all that stuff, situation. So it gets a little like it's a little different from how she may be able to maneuver mm-hmm. something. So but yeah, if you can't do it during the lunch breaks, so I say, or do it online. That's probably your other best bet. But to, you know, that's the advantage mm-hmm. of like the things happening right now. And you can do those kind of things online. So, yeah.
1: Well, one of the things that I think people sometimes people love interviewing. They know that they this is a, you know sort of kind of an interview here in a, in a way. <laughs> um, but they are good talkers and they do very well in interviews and um in job interviews and then there are other people who feel as though they do horrible in job interviews and hate them and so um what are some of the how do you feel about about job interviews do you like them do you do you hate them you know
2: well it wasn't I mean the beginning of my career I wasn't a big fan of them because and I think one of the reasons is just like because you're trying to figure out what, you, what you're going to say, how you're going to say, what you're going to ask. And I think over time, when I started to get um, information from my colleagues and the type of questions mm-hmm. to ask, it kind of helped me a lot. Because you you feel like once upon a time, you just feel like they're going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. You may get in the couple and that's it. But as i have grown in my career and grown in the art of interviewing, particularly because I'm a journalist, Mm -hmm. it allows me, it gives me, I feel like sometimes now I have an upper hand because as a journalist, I know how to ask maybe certain questions. And then I'm also looking at body language and how the answers are given to me, the responses. Mm -hmm. So I have all these different cues. So interviewing people on on a TV program for almost 10 years, it, that part of the interviewing now i'm more comfortable doing job interviews because i'm used to doing interviews with people as a journalist so,
1: so how do you how do you so what kind of questions are you asking as someone who's um you know being interviewed for a job what is some of the questions that you ask the employer or the recruiter or the hiring manager or whoever that is that's actually doing the interviewing for the job what are some of those questions that you formulate
2: Well, I listen to what they ask first, and if they didn't answer certain questions, then I know that I start with those. Mm -hmm. So if the interviewer didn't explain why that position, um, if the person didn't explain that interview, why that person left the company or why they're seeking that position you know, why, you know, why are you seeking new people for that position? That's a question you really should be asking. Why the last question.
1: person leave this job? Yeah. <laughs> are you trying to sit in, a, in, a, in a, I guess, the, in a more. Not
2: necessarily the first question. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. But it should be definitely in the top three, because that's going to give you some insight. And then the flip to that is, if you're entering a position, and it's a newly created position, you need to ask, like, what type, you know, based on the craft of that job description, what really determine like the factors for that role in that position if and if you've been in the field a long time you really need to listen to that answer because you can find out whether or not they have some understanding of the work that will it entails to be you know to get done if they don't have a clear understanding of it that could be a well that is could be a possibly a flag so um, mm-hmm. that's something to keep in mind um Another question I ask them is to explain the typical workday. What is this person doing daily in this role? That's important to know. Like, what is a typical day like for this person in this position? Um, will you, If you're in a position where you may have to manage people, you need to find out that if they didn't tell you that. Will you be managing someone? And I always say if you're a manager and above that in that title, that's something you need to find out. Um, if you're in an interview session with them and they have all these grand ideas and they want to do all these different things, you need to ask um, what is the typical budget of you know the department so some of these goals can be executed. Because if they have a laundry list of goals and they don't have the budget to match those goals,
0: well, you no. Know, what
1: factor. organization? You know that <laughs> I think it always is. For, we're, I'm in you know I I am a financial manager. And and do budget analysis for for companies, organizations, and it's always a laundry list of things that they. Yeah, the wish list. I the wish list. I
2: said, I said, what's the? I even used that. I said, do you have like a wish list? Because I need to. Because mm-hmm. I need to understand if they're they're being realistic or idealistic. Mm-hmm.
1: So the goals that they have, say for that year, or for you know a three or five year plan, and right,
2: exactly what's the vision? What what's do you the see vision? True? Oh yeah, where do you see the organization going in the next five years? That's a really mm-hmm. important question. That's and yeah. that should be in your time. And
1: what and what top. are you expecting me to do in this time in the next mm-hmm. year, two years? Mm-hmm. And
2: expectations,
1: expectations. And then because if they they have all these expect expectations for the 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 position that you're going to applying for, but they have no budget to do it, then that's a problem.
2: That's going to be a major problem.
1: Yeah. That's so you're trying to figure problem. that out. So you're trying to figure that out during the interview that, hey, mm-hmm. I want to be sure that you're not setting me up for failure.
2: Right. And I and in the past, I haven't asked questions like that. And I was set up for failure. So mm-hmm. I make sure I ask that like a question like that. Uh, yeah, I ask them what the ideal, what their ideal employee is going to look like or be. I do ask things like that. I also try to figure out ways to figure out the morale of the organization or the company. And that's one
1: thing that I wanted to, to talk about was. You know, because no one goes into an interview, even if you want to know this and say, you know, how high is your retention rate? How fast people. Oh, need no, you get. don't.
0: There's, there's, other you, there's, there's other ways you can, tell, ways tell you me. can do that.
1: Tell me. Tell um, me, how, how do you, what questions do you I'll, ask I'll in order this,
2: to. I'll share the secret with your audience that your audience really can um find out. One of the questions you can ask is what does the organization do to. um Boost some people will say like boost morale. I don't like, mm-hmm. I don't, that's kind of like, you may not want to use the word morale. You say, what, what do they do? And you know, cause there's a work day. You're spending most of your time around these people that you, you cause this is like, you spend more time almost like with the people you work with in your family. So what are you doing outside of a typical like work day where the employees are connecting with each other? Do mm-hmm. you, um, do they celebrate birthdays? Do they go to happy hour? Do they celebrate birthdays? Do you do holiday celebrations? Like, you know, most places will have, you know, during the um, Christmas season, they have these holiday like mm-hmm. dinners or holiday lunches. Find out if they do that and see how they respond to those things. Because some organizations may not do that at all. So, and some mm-hmm. organizations, um, they will do things like that. I, that was, I will say, that's one thing I remember during my time at the American Heart Association. They were really good about that doing those kind of um like and it was and it was good,
1: frequently it was something that they did it was just
2: part yeah it was part of the um culture because i've seen it like
1: could be a hit or miss usually if it's like a hit or miss like sometimes we do it sometimes we don't do it you know it's kind of you know uh, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. hit or miss then that's that's called a telltale that, that tells some of the things like okay well you are you guys so like so got so many things going on and your right. employees are overwhelmed right. that you and didn't even have out. time and burnt out.
2: Exactly. That's how you find out. Really mm-hmm. that's how you find out. It's like if you guys are working all the time and there's no like breaks and people or people aren't connecting like that. They want to get away from each other at the end of the day. Yeah, th- those are those are the ways you can those are like questions like that you can find out. And they're in there it's not like you're you're saying, oh, does you know the organization has bad morale, good morale? You mm-hmm. just find out from like the additional activities, what's going, you know, what what's happening. So that's um a, a important that's a that's definitely a question you want to find out in regards to probably mm-hmm. the office culture um mm-hmm. professional yeah development.
1: yeah what, what is the office culture i think that's mm-hmm. a good one
2: and in another way you can do that too if you're someone it's sometimes you know some employers will do this and you could i usually say if they do this on their own they're interested in having you there and just probably just depend of course a lot of this is also pre-covid when i used to do this i would ask them about like going around the office and mm-hmm. looking around
0: yeah
1: you know one thing that i i've been you know when i have applied for, you know, went through an interview, and they wanted to hire me. Office, like, you know, you went to, I went into the interview, they wanted to hire me immediately, right? So I was able to walk through the office,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's always disturbing to me when I walk into an office and I hear nothing. Everybody, I mean, and this not saying it's empty. I'm just saying there there are people there, lots of people. And there's like, you hear a pin drop and everybody mm-hmm. has their head down hostile environment. You do like I, mm-hmm. it, it, it was, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other places that I've been and you walk into the work area and, you know, people are talking and communicating and people are, you know, working together and, you know, having one on ones and. I went, and then it was a good environment to work inside of because I mean in there's no perfect in from what I've experienced in my twenty-five years of working. There is no perfect environment, but there are some that are more perfect than others. But <laughs> so, yeah, there are
2: some that's definitely better than others. Oh I, yeah. I can definitely see Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you
1: don't want to go into a hostile environment. But mm-hmm. when I one thing that I've noticed as a sort of a a line that runs through a hostile environment, if you're able to walk through the, you know, in this day and age, everyone is working from home. So you may not have that advantage, but if you have that advantage to have an opportunity to walk through the office, um, just keep your ears and eyes open and seeing how people are interacting with each other. And it's still, it definitely gives you some insight to the, um, the office environment. Mm-hmm.
2: And then that goes to the next question, which is another good reason to do that. And then you can check websites, too. If diversity and inclusion is important to you, that's definitely Mm -hmm. something you should do. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Because
2: you may get in there and it's like, okay, I want to see more people that look like me. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of the thing we have to always be concerned about, too, is like, how how does that organization? And then particularly because of things that happened in 2020,
1: that's, yeah, people of color are, you know, are in,
2: more conscious of Are um, more conscious of X that. Yeah, you know, yeah. and
1: and the thing about it is that you know, I worked in organizations where African American people um, at certain levels of the organization just wasn't there. So mm-hmm. when I show my African American face, <laughs> um, it's not that I felt that people was um, were anti black or, or whatever. I felt like they just hadn't been exposed to working that close with an African-American male. Mm-hmm. So they don't know what to do. And it can't yeah. come off as, as someone who it may be seen to be standoffish or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but it's just they, they never have. And mm-hmm. how do you get through that? How do you handle that? Because everyone is not very comfortable with that at all. So that's one of the things that I think is important walking through the the aisles and I mean through the aisles but through the through the halls Mm -hmm. and seeing you know I like when they have those pictures of sort of like the executives up on the wall and so forth and you see like no African-Americans at all or you see like one out of (laughs) so you know out of all so you know those some of the things I know you have to ask yourself do I want to work in an environment where I may be the first African American that they have worked this closely with, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And so, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Cause the other thing you want to look at and things like that too, is the hierarchy of the organization. If all the people of, of all the non-black, the non-white people are towards like in the lower level positions and there's more of like the dominant society at the top, Mm-hmm. that's another flag there. I hate this. I mean, some people make yeah, it sense to that, but it's a big flag. It's but
1: big the question flag. you have to ask yourself is, do I, do I want to be in that environment? You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, because but- it, 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 it does come with, it's going to be additional
2: stress. I mean just It's going to be
1: additional stress, exactly. Yeah. But somebody will someone has to come going. I mean, someone I mean I, I would never tell some African American person not to take a job because you're going to be the only African American there. It's like, no, that's not a reason a reason to not accept that job, unless that makes you totally uncomfortable and you just do not want to be yeah, that I person. Yeah, and it's a
2: preference. I, I learned from experience. I'm just big on diversity and inclusion. And from my work experience in various environments, I do well where there's more diversity and inclusion. I have more mm-hmm. challenges where there's limited um, diversity in the upper management roles, because a lot of it, it's 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 one's perception and comfort level. We still live in a society that people still are uncomfortable seeing um, non-white people in 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 CEO and executive positions. And that's just mm-hmm. unfortunately a reality you have to tend to. So that's why you do in these interviews, got to say what is what, what's happening in the organization where they're being more conscious in regards to diversity and inclusion it's not strictly on race I and mean, you've got age and gender and people with those with disabilities and so forth how are those things um how do they deal with those things in the office what are what are they doing do they have you know they have like do you have round bag lunches like sessions where people may come in and talk about various issues that's happening in society mm-hmm. that kind of could be the and, avenue and, and, and
1: brown people. bad lunches can be can be a, a good thing and a bad thing too i i remember i was at a position and they had like oh, we're going to have a brown bag lunch and it would just mean that she wasn't going to get a lunch <laughs> that's what it, it means that bring your that's lunch brown, bring your lunch
2: yeah <laughs> yeah but it's like
1: it's but i don't want to it's like nobody wanted in that organization they didn't want to brown bag lunch because it means that it's saying that we're going to work through lunch and you better get five minutes to grab something you know so really? nobody yeah
2: well that's that goes to the that's another issue you need to find out now this is another thing that will come into play when you're applying you need to find out like in regards to your work and probably also within the organization itself. find out there you have to figure out a way about having policies and procedures structured so for example when i do interviews as a person coming from a writing or journalism background i will ask the organization do you have style guides and you may and some of them are very shocked by this and i ask them this because um your organization needs to have like protocol Mm -hmm. and if you're coming if i'm coming in and i'm writing because i'm a journalist i come from an associated press background most of the jobs I had um in my early in my career even in the PR realm you had to know a, they say like they say ap style and in other places they may have ap style and the branding style of the organization so if you don't have any kind of systems guidelines for how things are done in the organization that could be a problem so for example brown bag lunches, wouldn't it be nice? Because in a lot of cases, it was the employees. We, they had to you know, some cases, the employees volunteer to have to coordinate those brown bags. Yeah, countries. I like
1: that idea. Better employees are volunteering to do that. And <laughs> they
2: had a they develop a structure or plan on how how frequent you will do them. Will they will Will there be times where you're actually the food will be catered from the office versus people bringing in the bag lunch things like that? So another thing is when people I would say when you're interviewing, you find out what systems or structures or policies are in place uh, and that's relevant either to the organization or your department so for other fields i don't I, I can't really say outside of what i know in communications realm but i am big on style guides. i'm like i because because you have five different people write five different ways and when it gets down to editing a document mm-hmm. like a newsletter that's going to go out to everybody Mm-hmm. that person comes in and they're going to edit it based on the style they prefer. And then you're going to have the same other people coming back
1: yeah. So basically, he's saying you need a, a template to change
2: this way. Yeah, because you never got on the same page. That's one thing. That's another thing. I, you know, I, I was like, if you're telling me to write, do a writing sample for a job or something, mm-hmm. I will ask them. I was like, okay, what's your, um, your style guide? What's what? What is the editorial? You know, process, whatever for that. So I know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mm-hmm. have one, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not yeah. taking the job unless you, you expect that person coming in to do that which kind of could be a challenge in itself because mm-hmm. again somebody coming in trying to bring guidelines rules and structure mm-hmm. some people are not you know then it's going to, that could be a conflict in itself so mm-hmm. yeah um make sure you find out find out what the processes are if you can during those interviews um another thing i do ask because like you said people don't like interviews and people feel awkward and nervous uh, yeah I, some people I,
1: just just feel like they don't interview well and i'm like yeah, well, yeah and and that's uh a horrible place to be in when you feel the way because I feel like if you already saying that to yourself, then
2: yeah, you're doing the things that's gonna it's gonna hurt it's your esteem and hurt your confidence. So right. I would say with people like like that, they may need to do like the like kind of work with someone else and go through a round of interviews and mm-hmm. you know be coached. That's like yeah, they, being coached. They to interview.
1: Definitely need coaching. They need the to be theory.
2: somebody. Yeah, needs because that.
1: That could that that could definitely be. I think that could definitely because you're you're talking about you're talking about yourself. <laughs> That's right. It. It's
2: about you. You're it's selling, about you. Yourself. Right. You you're selling get, yourself. You have to be confident about selling yourself. Which um, like I said, when you go on these inter like when I go on interviews now, I ask the people who are interviewing me, what made you decide to choose this job? I really want to know. I'm like, what made you decide to work here? Because people like to talk about themselves and I think yeah I know I do, yeah, so <laughs> yeah and I think that helps a lot because people become when you're when you're talking about yourself you become more comfortable so I think hmm. in the beginning you're you supposed
1: inter- to you know you're supposed, you're
2: supposed to. to I mean yeah this because I feel like when you start interviewing the employee you go back and asking questions as you are interviewing the employer you need to know these things too because it gives you a lot of insight on why people are there and you hmm. can tell by the type of answers it's like yeah this person's serious about this you know her role in her position or okay, this is a person who's definitely. This is probably their bridge job. You know, you mm-hmm. can you can find out by the um type of questions and you know you, yeah, you're asking of, and the, the responses. Yeah, the
1: kind of answers yeah. that you're you're providing, right? You know, right. it definitely gives you insight to mm-hmm. longevity. That they, I know what they, like you said. You know, it's just you know your job that you're going to take just to get to you know some right. other place. You know, so yeah. I definitely understand that. Mm-hmm. um so that's I, yeah
2: that's make sure like when you look at your resume and if you like what you see on your resume you can feel really confident you go in there and i always have the mindset now I said, i'm gonna wow these people when i go in there and yeah. i know i'm gonna wow them because yeah, i done that's so many what cool i like things yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. but practicing is the key um, there's books. I mean, now there's the internet. You can go on the internet and find out like what type or of Or just get you a relative, get
1: somebody control. that you trust a that's going to friend. just, just ask you. And you, is 10 questions that, you know, in, in my book, the job promotion manual, you know, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> it's just 10 questions that you typically want to be asked in every interview. You're going to get, you know, at least one of those questions and just yeah. having someone ask you those questions and you just giving those, giving the answers to your best of your ability, and just have that loved one or that friend say, "Hey, that was a good answer," or eh, "I need to work on that." Can be a big help. So, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You know, that's right. Actually, we should be referencing your book moving forward in DJ's book. <laughs> yeah, in DJ's book,
1: there's these ten questions. He has here.
2: these things here. I'm gonna, and actually, I'm gonna let my well, friend know to well, check your book
1: out. Yes, I'll <laughs> and I'll send a free copy to your friend. She give me her address. I'll send you a free copy to, of my of my book um the job promotion manual i'll put the link in the in the, this the job in the mm-hmm. show description well for our, our last thing before um this particular show ends and jackie will be back next week to have another discussion <laughs> um and uh for be our last question so there's um a um a, a zoom meeting that i joined um and and i didn't i didn't get an invite or anything like that you forwarded it to me but i Jumped on this meeting, and I forgot the name of it. And I had this great conversation with different, like maybe five or maybe seven people that was on the call and all. And it was a great conversation. What, 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 um, what Zoom call? What meeting was that?
2: Oh, puppyology! Yes, yeah, that's starting back up this month too. It's going to be on the third. Starting back up again, third Tuesdays of the month. Okay, well,
1: we'll we'll promote that. You know, how can people um, jump on that one?
2: Sure. People can um, go to my meetup group on meetup.com forward slash Interfaith Connections. And then there, you can look at all the events and other activities that's coming up this month that's happening. And then you can look for the pub theology one to join. I'll make okay. sure I get September's in there. Well, send yeah. me the
1: link so I can add them in the show description, the show description. So people can, can definitely find sure. out more about those, about Toastmasters and about puffology. You said pub,
2: the, pub like going to pub,
1: the pub. Pubology. Oh, pub, pubology. Theology. Oh, pub, pub theology. theology. Oh, I like that. So, <laughs> that's a great name. So uh-huh. thank Jack, thank you for joining us And tune in next week For part two of our discussion And we'll, we'll move away from You know, even though I'm a job coach and, and I love discussing career coaching And life coaching um, But we will go more into the discussion On Bill Cosby And I know Bill Cosby isn't a You know, he's still a hot topic But he is not You know, it's been some months Since he was um he was vindicated, but we still have some things to discuss about Pil Gospy. <laughs> so join us next week about for that discussion <laughs> and um, and have a wonderful, wonderful week. Bye.
2: All right. Bye bye.